Hello, church. That was good. You guys are awake. Um, hey, I got a question for you. Um, I love that song. Uh, There's a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. So a question for you today. Where are you hoping for a miracle in your life? Or in the life of somebody you know? Or in our community? Or in our world? Where are you hoping for a miracle? And where are you hoping that within that context, within that engaging and praying for, expecting, hoping for the miracle, where are you hoping that Jesus would come alive to you? I think one of the foundational things of following Jesus is that we are people of faith and hope. So you could ask the question the other way, where are you struggling to have faith right now in life? Where are you struggling to have hope remain alive? I think as a Christian, we, we, as we follow Jesus, we always need to be looking at these things. Where is faith lessening in my life? Where is faith decreasing? Where is hope decreasing? Because like last week, we talked about the, the signals on a dashboard. That is a signal on the dashboard that something isn't quite right in your faith journey. Now, that something that's not quite right could be something that's a natural maturing and growing in your faith. This little alarm that pops up that goes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm losing hope. I'm following Jesus. Of course, I should be somebody that has hope, that has faith, that even though I can't do it, he can step in. Like, he's a God of miracles. Why am I losing faith and hope in that? And what do I need to do about it? And maybe, maybe the first step is leaning into those emotions, leaning into the disappointment, leaning into the doubt. Because this isn't the kind of thing where you go, oh, well, I should be more faithful. I should have more hope. So I'm just going to shove away all these other feelings. I'm going to put all these things just out, like build a wall so I don't feel them anymore. And then I'm going to have faith and hope. And we know that doesn't really work. And I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Because I think Jesus wants to meet us in the place where we're struggling in our hope and in our faith. So where do you need hope? Where do you need faith? I think as Christ followers, this is how we are supposed to live. Like it's a hallmark of what our lives are to be about.
Last week we talked about abiding. And we did this exercise at the end. If you missed it, go back and watch it or get the Facebook post and really go through that exercise. It's walking through the Lord's Prayer. And that should really just become a part of your regular devotional life. Like walking through the Lord's Prayer, line by line, asking yourself those questions, taking out a journal, typing notes on your phone, like spending time with Jesus, learning to rely on him, learning to grow in him, learning to be quiet and listening for his voice. So last week we talked about abiding in, and this week I want to talk about what steps of faith are we taking. If you've been with us for a while, you you know we kind of have this walking illustration, or this working illustration of faith, uh, where, uh, you know, I put a chair up here one time and said, why do you have faith that this chair can hold you? And all of you said, you didn't really talk back, uh, we need to work on that, but you said, uh, maybe, that this chair can hold you because it looks like it can hold you. Like, it, it looks like it was designed for it, it was built for it. Like, maybe you've seen other people come and sit down in the chair, and you saw that it would hold them, and so you're just naturally concluding that it can hold you too. And we have this working definition of faith that faith isn't just looking at the chair and going, it can hold me up if I sit down in it. Faith is the moment when your belief turns into action. So your belief turns into, oh, I can see that this chair can hold me. It's good. I can see that this is designed to hold me up. It will hold me up. I believe it will. Well, I'm going to test that belief and actually sit down in the chair. That's when your faith actually becomes faith. See, before you put your weight on it, it's just belief. And I wonder how many of us are walking around wanting faith, wanting to hope, but we aren't actually putting our weight on Jesus or putting our weight on the Holy Spirit. We put our weight on all these other things in life and hopefully Jesus, it comes around to us putting our weight on Jesus. But oftentimes I wonder how many of us are struggling because we're not actually putting our weight on him. I want to walk through a story uh, this morning, and it's a story, it, it was a theme of ours a couple years ago, but I just love this story, and I want to walk through it as part of this new year, and so turn with me to 2 Kings. In 2 Kings chapter 3, we have this story where The three kings of Israel are joining forces to go into battle. They're going to take over Moab. And uh, I'll read it here, uh, 1 Kings 3, 9 through 10. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. So these three kings join together. They're going into battle. 
And they're marching around, and they gather all their men, all their supplies, all the animals, everything that is needed for a battle. And they're walking around, and what do they realize? Oh, in all of our planning, in all of our gathering, in all of our doing, we misplanned. Or we just simply ran out of an essential thing, water. The army had no more water for themselves and for the animals. And then I like in verse 10, what? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? Like he was surprised that they ran out of water. They're in a desert, right? It's probably something they're going to be short on. So we see these kings and these armies in the desert for seven days and they run completely out of water. I'm just really curious about that because I gotta imagine they at least planned for it. I don't know how that happened, but they were in uh, desperation. They were in need of water because they were at risk of dying from dehydration. Three kings, three armies, all trained, all powerful. And they're walking around and they're sitting there going, our greatest need right now isn't being met. Like it doesn't matter how strong we are. It doesn't matter if we have the strategies in order. It doesn't matter what we do in this situation because we don't have water. It's a basic need. It's something that we cannot go without. And it brought them to a place of desperation. And it was the one thing that they could not go out and get for themselves. How often do you and I get in this place? I'm pretty sure you're not gathering an army and you're not in the desert trying to take over uh, Hudson or something. I don't, we're not in the desert now, but just roll with it. <laughs> How often do you and I get in this place where we're gathering all the resources, we have what we need to do whatever task we're up against, like, or at least we think we do, we're able to get our hands on things. Like we're able to resource ourselves. We're able to find out anything we want on the internet. We're able to get resourced with people, uh, have access to money, to jobs, all these things. And how often do you and I come to the place where like there's one thing that we need. And it just so happens to be the one thing that you and I can't do on our own. Like often it comes down to the one thing that we need to rely on Jesus Four. Often your greatest need becomes one of the greatest blessings. Why? Because it drives you to Jesus. 
It drives you to reliance, dependence on the one that can provide, the one that can heal, the one that can bring about the blessing, the one that can work behind the scenes and make all these things happen. And even if they don't happen the way that you think they're going to happen, you still realize that his presence with you, God with us, is enough. So pay attention to what your greatest need is in this season. What's the greatest thing you are hoping for? What's the greatest thing you are desperately praying for? And then pay attention to where it's driving you. Because a lot of times, you know, it drives us to try to overcompensate or provide for ourselves to gain. And sometimes we just might miss the invitation from Jesus. These three kings, they were in trouble. Their men were in trouble. Their animals were in trouble. And then in verse 11, uh, Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here? through whom we may inquire of the Lord. So they've reached their end. They've reached their point of desperation where they go, we are out of ideas. We can't do anything here. Is there a prophet who can tell us what God is up to? In verse 12, Jehoshaphat, they hear about this prophet, Elisha. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom all went down to visit with Elisha. In verse 13, Elijah said to the king of Israel, what do you want from me? What do you want, or why do you want to involve me? Here's a very interesting side note. Like, you can take this and go study this on your own. We ain't got time to get into it today. But who else said that exact phrase in the future. Does anybody know? Quiz. It's like Bible quiz right here. Think New Testament. Who else, when faced with a situation, when somebody called on him, when they needed a miracle, when they were desperate, who else said, why do you want to involve me in this? Come on, you're all church people. You should know the answer. Jesus, right? It's like, yes, that is actually the answer here. It's Jesus. In John chapter 2, with the miracle at the wedding, where Jesus turned water into wine, what's the first question when they came and they said, hey, we got a problem. Our party can't go on anymore because we're running out of wine. Why do you want to involve me in this, is what Jesus said. Pay close attention. There is a hyperlink here. Jesus does a lot of things and refers back to a lot of things about the prophet Elisha throughout the Gospels. You can Google things, go search it, go do some learning, it's, it'll bless you. Just an interesting little side note. So, they call on Elisha. What's God up to here? We are desperate, we have a need Elijah, can you please 
Tell us what God's up to. Speak on our behalf. Maybe you could talk him into something. Help us out here. In 15 and 16. Elisha said in 14, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. So I love that Elisha kind of has an attitude here, and that's great. But now, bring me a harpist. I love that line. I imagine the king's response is like, what? It's just, could you just pray or something? You need a harpist here? Come on. But the harpist started playing. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And said this, first of all, side note, worship is important in our lives. And and this just isn't like, well, you can only worship when music is on. But there's a special thing that happens, I believe, when we're in the presence of other followers of Jesus and we are worshiping together. I think there is something that happens in the spirit, in the gathering of the church, of the saints, of the followers of Jesus, that is powerful. And I believe that in some way, Jesus meets you, the Holy Spirit meets you in that, in worship, in gathering. Even in your car, when you're listening to worship music, and you're thoughts are focused on Jesus. You're open to the spirit. I believe there is something that happens in a special way where we can connect on a different level to Jesus through our worship. And this is Elijah. Hey, you want to hear from the Lord? Bring me a harp. I need to get my worship on. So the harp is playing. The Lord came to Elijah and said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. There's another translation that says, make this valley full of ditches. You're in need. You're desperate. You want to see Jesus come alive? You want to see Jesus tangibly do something here in your life, in my life, in this church's life, in the community's life, in this world? Why she says, go dig a ditch. Make this valley full of ditches. I will fill this valley with pools of water. This is what the Lord says. You will neither see wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. You, your cattle, and all your animals and men can drink. And I like this little tagline. This is an easy thing for the Lord. This is simple. How do you think they responded to that? Okay, Elijah, like I get you're, you're in your little groove worship thing here. 
Again, you said like, basically, thus saith the Lord, right? God is telling me to tell you. I imagine the kings were like, hey, time out. I wanted something a little different. I wanted God to actually like make it rain right now. Like we need this right now. Our men are dying. We're desperate. Maybe they're dying right now out in the desert because they have no water. We need this right now. I don't think you understood this. No, I understood. Go dig some ditches. This is an interesting thing, right? Throughout the Gospels, we see this sort of thing, don't we? Peter was on the boat. If it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out. I want to walk on water. There's another time where a guy with a withered hand wanted to be healed. What did Jesus say? Stretch out your hand. I'll heal you, but I want you to participate in this. I want your faith to grow in this, and I want the faith of everybody that sees this, I want their faith to grow as well. Jesus could have healed the guy's hand all on his own. So why did he go, first stick out your hand. Show me your hand. Another guy couldn't walk for years. Jesus looks at him. Get up, pick up your mat. Another woman reaches out and grabs the robe of Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, we see this relationship here, this tension here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to do that, but I'm going to ask you to do something. I, I will show up, I will work, but take a step. Take a seat. Put your weight in it. Because there's something far greater going on here than just the result of a miracle that happens. But it's going to require some faith. It's going to require some action. It's going to require you to actually sit down and put your weight on it. Because until you do that, it's just belief. So Elisha says, go dig some ditches. And then you're going to see God do something that is absolutely amazing. See, there's a couple things here in the, the king's responses in this story that I, that I think is interesting for us. And it would bless us to really think about and process. 
first thing is we see the king's call out. We've got all the resources, we've got all the things we need, except for this one thing that we can't. There is a need here, there is a desire here that we can't provide for on our own. Jesus! Call out. Be in relationship with. Because again, the whole goal isn't the outcome. We talked about this last week. The goal isn't the fruit. The goal is abiding in, being with, engage with, in relationship with. Jesus will take care of the fruit. Whatever that's supposed to be. The only thing that he tells us to do is abide in me. So even when things aren't going well, even when the miracle hasn't been provided for years, even when your hope is waning, call out. Call out in the name of Jesus. Be in relationship. Stay engaged with him. The second thing is that God, through Elijah, tells him what to do. Go dig some ditches. They go out. They dig ditches. Remember, they're tired. They're dehydrated. They're exhausted. Yet they go out and dig ditches anyway. And then I got to think, there's this moment afterwards. They're exhausted. They go back to their camp. They just drop dead sleeping. Like they're totally exhausted. And I got to imagine there's this moment when they're like, now what? Like we did the thing. We did the thing. We dug the ditch. And here's the next part. They waited. They, they took a step. They put their weight on it. And they trusted. And they were obedient in the process. And then there was a time when they just waited. We don't wait very well. We tend to try to take control for ourselves. Jesus, I prayed about this two hours ago. You haven't come through yet. Time for me to go get another job. We don't wait well. But I would argue waiting is a place where transformation takes place. Waiting is the place where preparation takes place. Waiting is the place where your character is forged. And you learn how to be in relationship with Jesus. They waited. So what can we learn from the kings? They called out. They were obedient. And they waited. And then we see in verse 20, the next morning, about the time for the offering the sacrifice, there it was. Water flowing 
from the direction of Edom. The valley was filled with water. There is a promise here in this story for you and I. Call out, be obedient, trust, put your weight on it, wait, and see what Jesus does. So my question for you, where do you need to dig a ditch? Digging a ditch ain't easy. It's not even fun. I think it's a part we often over, we skip. Where are you called to dig a ditch? Where is Jesus calling you in this new year? Where are you called to go and dig a ditch? And be faithful, be obedient, and then wait to see how he'll provide. Where is it? In a relationship? In a calling? In finances? In your family? Where is Jesus, where is the Holy Spirit calling you to dig a ditch? And then go through the hard work of waiting, hoping, clinging on to faith to see how Jesus provides. I want to invite the worship team up. I I, I want to ask a question here as the worship team comes up. Who in here, you can even answer online through the chat, who in here is just gung-ho, excited, ready to take over the world this new year? Would you stand up if that's you? Amen. Who in here is weary? Who in here is tired? Who in here is struggling? Raise your hand. I want to invite you to stand up. So at this point, everyone go ahead and stand up, even if you're somewhere in between. I want to speak a blessing over us. And it's a prayer that Paul prayed from Ephesians 3. It's one of my favorite prayers in Scripture. It's something I keep coming back to over and over and over and over again. And I want to pray this over us. Even if you know it, just sit back, close your eyes, and just receive and pray with me. I pray. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Jesus. And to know this love, this surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, as we dig ditches, as we pray, as we hope, as we take steps of faith, I pray this over us as a church community, as a church family. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 Go and dig a ditch. Let's continue to worship.